All right. Good morning. Caught most of you off guard. Still socializing. That's good. That's good. Um, hey, if we haven't met, my name is Paul, and um, I get to be the teaching pastor here, which is such a blessing. And um, it's such a blessing to worship alongside of all of you, to hear your voices, um, and to see just, just what God is doing. I'm so grateful for that. If you're a guest this morning, I do want to say uh, welcome to you. So thankful that you've chosen uh, to join us this morning to check things out. This morning, just a quick note for you, guests, in front of you should be a QR code, unless you're sitting in the front row. And if you're sitting in the front row and you're a guest, you don't need a guest, guest card, like you're already in. So uh, scan that QR code in front of you. Um, it will direct you to lpguest.com. We have a digital guest information card for you. Uh, fill that out if you would be so kind. And then we will actually donate five bucks in your honor to one of our partner ministries. So we'd love to be able to donate uh, in your honor. Um, we'd love to be able to connect with you as well. And I will also say, uh, just as a, a heads up, every Sunday when we gather, um, you can find the notes uh, for the message that day uh, at the, uh, through the LifePoint Ohio app. Uh, so you can get that app wherever it is. You download your, app, uh, your apps, and there's interactive notes you can email to yourself just as a resource uh, for you. Uh, so today, we are closing out a series we've been in uh, for a, a little over a month now, and the series we've called Playlist, Okay. And in this series, the reason we've called it Playlist is because each and every week what we're doing is we're looking at a different psalm. And psalms are really songs, okay? And so in the series and in these psalms, what we have seen is, is really the experience of, of the human condition, roller coasters and waves of different emotions. We've talked about joy, <laughs> we've talked about um, pain, we've talked about sadness, we've talked about all sorts of different things. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about fear and faith, which I know is maybe just the topic you were hoping for on Mother's Day, right? Happy Mother's Day. Today we're talking about fear. You're welcome. Anyway, and so uh, there's even a verse in, in today's text that says, my mother and my father have forsaken me. And it was like, boy, did we really pick that one today? Anyway, and so um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And really in this series, the big idea, something we've said each and every week, is that God really writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. What that means, church, is that, that when we read the Psalms, we can resonate with what the Psalms are saying because whatever it is we're walking through, whether that's a, a high peak or a low valley, the Psalms can walk alongside of us. And the Psalms can give us language to go to God, to express what it is we're feeling to God through prayer because God always hears us. And that is a blessing. And so today we're going to be in Psalm 27. But before we get to Psalm 27, I actually want to direct us to Mark chapter 4. Uh, and the reason for that, um, I'm reading through Mark in my personal uh, study time. And I came across the really latter portion of chapter 4 in Mark's gospel. It's in the New Testament, the account of one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. And, and I read this, this passage, this story and it really helped me, as I, as I also had Psalm 27 in my mind, helped me really to see, I think, some, some really important things in Psalm 27. So first, I want to go to Mark 4. Uh, leading up to this point, Jesus has been teaching parables or stories that, that speak truths about what the kingdom of heaven is like to his disciples. And now sort of the scene shifts, and we get to the text here, beginning in verse 35, it says this, On that day... When evening had come, he, being Jesus, said to them, being the disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, 
And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So I think what's pretty clear here is that there is an overwhelming situation for the disciples. The overwhelming situation is they're in a boat. It's likely night at this time, and I don't know what it is, but darkness always makes things scarier. Maybe it's just me. So they're on the waves, in the water. A storm kicks up, and the storm grows the waves, and the waves start to overlap the boat, and the boat begins to fill with water. And we can see that when they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you even care that we're perishing? Well, we can assume or sort of imply, what's implied here is that they're too far from shore to paddle back or to swim. And so what this means is that if the storm continues, the boat will fill with water, the boat will sink, and they will die. It's an overwhelming situation, not one I would like to be in. And yet when Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the waves and the storm like a father rebukes a disobedient child, what does he do? He looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? And I think what we see here is, is, is this. In overwhelming, difficult, hard situations, we typically have one of two responses, don't we? Typically, whether it's a moment of extreme, difficult circumstance or a season, typically we are going to operate either in fear or we're going to operate in faith. And we all know which one we should be operating within, don't we? We all know that we're supposed to be a people of faith. We all know that we're supposed to live courageously. Jesus very clearly says, where is your faith? Why aren't you believing? And we know this is a common problem for humanity because the world is broken by sin, and when there's sin, there's fear. And we know also that over 50 times throughout the Bible, God says, be strong and courageous. That's what that means is time and time and time again, people are responding in fear. And yet we're not supposed to. That's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> so simply stated. And so then what I want to lead us into this morning as we get into Psalm 27 is, well, how, how do we live in faith instead of fear in seasons or moments of great trial? And King David, he is the author of Psalm 27. David's life is insane. If we have any familiarity with David, it's typically David and Goliath. That's a scary moment. You're a teenager and you're faced with a giant Hebrew slaughtering Philistine. That's scary. We're told elsewhere, David has killed bears and lions. That's scary. David fights many battles against foreign nations. That sounds pretty terrifying. David even has battles of, of his own against his own people. At one point, what we see is that King Saul, who is king of Israel, who is also David's father-in-law and also the father of David's best friend, is trying to kill him. <laughs> you think your family's messed up. Isn't that comforting just a little bit? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, just a little bit comforting. I mean, then David's son, Absalom, leads a coup overthrows David's government. David has to flee. 
I mean, fearful situation after fearful situation after fearful situation. And, and what commentators and scholars believe is that he's, he's writing Psalm 27 sometime in the middle of fleeing from Saul. It's about a seven-year time in, Jesus, in David's life. And so with all of that being said, that's really the, the foundation I want to lay here to say, how do we live as people of faith? How do we not cower or be dominated by fear? But when the hardship comes, how do we persevere in faith? And I believe, church, Psalm 27 is going to give us direction and how it is we do that. And so I want to pray for us that God would lead us this morning. So let's do that. Father, um, thanks that we can come to you and that you hear us. We've already done it three times now this morning. We just praise you for that. God, as we open up your word and as we study Psalm 27, I ask that you would open it up to us. And I want to be a church, I want to be a people who's not dominated by fear, but who expresses and lives out such great faith that that leads to your glory, to your praise, to your honor. Open your word to us. Make it living and active as you promise it to be. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Text begins with this, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Man, I want to be that guy. The problem for me is so often I'm not. And I think maybe if you're like me, the problem for you is so often you're not. A couple things I think we need to make sure we see here. David says he's, he's not afraid, and he gives sort of two rhetorical questions, like, who shall, who shall I fear? The rhetorical answer is, no one. And then he gives a reason as to why it is he's not afraid. I don't know if you saw it in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Right? He is my stronghold. And so the reason David is not fearful, the reason David is not afraid, is because of who the Lord is to David. First thing I think we need to see here is that fear diminishes in our life when God increases in our life. Again, what's the source of his confidence? God. And when we have a bigger view of who God is, suddenly everything else in our life begins to, to have a different perspective, and a right perspective. What does he say about God? My light and my salvation. So what that would indicate is that, that God is the one who, who's really guiding David's path. As David is making decisions, as he's processing the, the armies that are encamping around him, God is the one who's directing his heart and his mind. And he also knows that God is the one from whom salvation ultimately comes. And so he's reminding himself of these truths. And what he's also saying is God is my stronghold. That's such a powerful word in the midst of such difficult circumstances. A stronghold gives this idea of this fortress, impenetrable. Safety, security. And as David is processing through that, these are the images of God, and this is the view of God that David has. Second thing I think we need to see here is that fear becomes less when we become less. That might sound to you like the same thing I just said, but said in a different way. And it is very similar, but there's a sort of a different emphasis here. Notice what David did not say. He didn't say when the armies are encamping around him, and so I readied myself for battle. 
He didn't say, so as, as these, this hardship was coming, I just mustered up the courage. <laughs> and this is a guy who could have. I mean, David was a dude, you know? I mean, how many battles had this guy won? How many armies had God used David to, def- to defeat? But he doesn't go to himself. He actually diminishes and he goes to God. You see, responding with faith instead of fear requires trusting God more than we trust ourselves. It requires saying, God, no, you've got this more than I've got this. You might be a talented individual, but God is more talented. You might be a resourceful individual, but God has more resources. You might be a courageous person, but everybody's courage eventually comes to an end when it's not found in God. What does that look like in our day-to-day life then? I don't think anybody has armies about to attack them. I hope that's not the case. I don't think anybody's son or daughter is leading a coup against you, and it might feel that way, parents with teenagers. I understand, right? So what about for us? I was reminded as I was reading this week and studying this week of Kale, teaching pastor at Delaware. And I know we've got some guests at Delaware this morning, and when I said Kale, that's his first name. And he would say, kale, like the vegetable. Um, so kale, teaching pastor at the Delaware campus, uh, when he and Morgan, his wife, were planting uh, and starting the Delaware location, um, there was an organization that said, hey, here's a house that you can live in. And I'm like, great. And there was a sort of a timeline on that, like, hey, probably about two years that you can stay in this house while you get this church established and while you get your feet under you. Praise God. Thank you so much. And so that two years goes by and the church is going well and things are going great. And they say, hey, we're not really worried about it. You guys can keep staying there. They're like, great. And so instead of sort of shifting more resources towards saving before they're faced with the the need to go and buy a different house, they shifted their resources toward giving. And Cale probably wouldn't tell you this story because it makes him look really good, but I'm going to share it with you because Cale is one of the faithful, most faithful guys that I know. He's an inspiration to me in faith. And so they, they started just giving a little bit differently and they, they stopped really emphasizing and focusing on saving for this house because they're like, we've got time. Well, something changed along the way. Something with the, the owners of these house, something happened where Kale gets a phone call and the phone call begins with, are you sitting down? It's never what you want. He said, hey, you guys got to be out in six months. I'm so sorry. Here's why, this situation, this situation. And six months is not a lot of time to find a house, especially in the Delaware market, when you don't have a ton of, as much savings as you wanted to. I mean, that's an overwhelming situation. That's an overwhelming circumstance. And the way in which Kale responded, I think is just such a, an example of what it looks like to not trust in ourselves. If it were me and that happened, the first thing I'm going to is Zillow. Uh, seriously. Okay, so what is available? That's expensive, that's expensive. Okay, we could, you know, I mean, the first thing I'm doing, I'm going to Zillow, I'm going to realtor.com, I'm beginning this hunt to say, I've got to figure this thing out. Anybody with me? It's the first thing we do. What did Cale do? He prayed. He said, nope. Okay, he said, he was telling me, retelling me the story this morning because I forgot some of the details. He said, Paul, I just felt like such a clear voice from God, more unique maybe than any other time I felt in my life that just said, Kale, you need to sit in the passenger seat and you need to let me drive. And Kale said, okay. And so he went, told Morgan what was going on. He said, look, we're not going to hunt for anything. We're going to take time to just pray about this. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to happen here? And so they didn't search at all. <laughs> Amazing. 
Well, a couple days after that, someone in the church came up to Kale on a Sunday morning and they said, hey, I just want to throw this out to you. If you know anybody who's looking for a house, my neighbor who lives about a quarter mile from the Delaware location, they're moving. They've got a sweet backyard with a place that Kale has like 14 kids. Um, <laughs> they, it's a fenced in yard. I mean, it, it's a finished basement. It'll be perfect uh, for somebody with young kids. And Kale's like, that would be perfect for somebody with young kids. And, um, and so he says, you know, actually, here's our situation. Do you think we'd be able to meet the owners of that house? And they said, absolutely. And so they had a meeting with the owners of the house that weekend. And they arranged a deal before the house even went on the market and got it for far lower than it could have gone had it been to the market. And it's such a beautiful picture that sometimes we just need to stop it. We need to stop going hustle, 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 get it done, get it done. And I am so guilty of this that we need to just sit back and say, God, I trust you in this situation a lot more than I trust me. Because I don't know what situation you might be walking through right now. And I'm not saying we don't need to do things. I'm not saying we don't need to go to the doctor. I'm not saying we don't need to take our medications. I'm not saying those things. What I am saying is we need to trust God a whole lot more, again, than we trust ourselves. And if God is saying to you in a very clear voice, like he said to Cale, I need you to just stop it for a minute. Stop. Rest in him. He is faithful and he is able And so responding with faith instead of fear requires, once again, trusting God more than we trust ourselves. So from there, we go to verse 4. Verse 4 of the text continues on. It says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Jump down to verse 13. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I want you to notice here what it is that David seeks. It says it in verse 4, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. What is that thing? Again, if I'm responding in the flesh, it's relieve these circumstances. Win the battle. Give me the house. Make me healthy. Help me have children. Those are the natural responses. It's not bad to pray those things. But what I want us to see here is what David seeks after most. What does he say? that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Right? Now, what I'm seeking most is the presence of God. What I'm seeking above and beyond anything is to be with God. And so to respond in faith instead of fear, we need to preach really the truth to ourselves because biblical truth really overpowers worldly fears. And here's what I mean by that. As he's seeking, what is he he's doing? He's reminding himself of these truths. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon the rock. He's saying, I'm going to seek God, and I know that God is going to do these things. And we used a similar point to this a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes we need to preach those truths to our own hearts. 
Because as the promises of God again become bigger in our lives, the fears become lesser. And so I just want to present to you a few promises of God. A few promises of God. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How comforting is it knowing that Jesus has overcome the world? John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Church, if you are saved, you're saved. Jesus has you. Jesus has a hold of your life. He's holding you. You don't need to fear. Jesus knows you. He has you. So you're secure in Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. This is the Apostle Paul so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's a wonderful thing, church. When we go through hard seasons, when we go through difficult seasons, when we respond in faith rather than fear, Christ's power is actually magnified through us. I think of it a little bit like a showcase. Imagine you're going through a difficult season, a difficult situation, and everybody around you is like, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm, I'm hurting, but I'm okay. I'm beaten up, but I'm not crushed. And they say, how is that possible? You say, Jesus. And it sounds like the cheesy Christian thing to say. I get that. But when you explain, no, like Jesus' power is, is sustaining me. Jesus' power is giving me something I do not have. What happens is when people see Christians living faithfully, even in the midst of really, really difficult circumstances, we become a showcase for the glory and the power of Christ radiating from our lives. I want to be that. That's why we should actually rejoice when we experience trials of various kinds. Sometimes we read passages in Scripture and we're like, that sounds crazy. But then when we think about what actually happens, we're like, oh, actually leads to the glory of Christ, which is my very function and purpose. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. The situation you are experiencing right now, the hardship you are experiencing right now, I don't know how, but I believe that God can work it to good because his word promised he would. And so sometimes, church, I believe what we really need to do is like David, we need to remind ourselves the promises of God. Reminding ourselves, God, what do you say? How does that work courage and faith in me? Finally, we get verses 7 through 12. It says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Happy Mother's Day. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Again, as we're just processing through what does it look like to display faith in the midst of great challenges and not fear, it looks like fearing the right thing. What is, what is David's greatest fear from these verses? Do you see it? Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. 
David's greatest concern, his greatest fear, is that God would see him and say, away with you. David could be crushed by an army. His father-in-law could be trying to kill him. His son could lead a coup. A bear could attack him. Fine. God turns his face away from him. Devastation. David's greatest fear is not being in the presence of God and not seeing God and not knowing God. The way he says is, I want to be in your temple, God, because in your temple is your presence. And church, now in a New Testament age, because of the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I, we can experience the presence of God here and now because he has sent his spirit to dwell within us, to make us temples of the living God. And so we have this, this is the greatest fear. This is the worst thing that can happen. And it really is. The worst thing that we can experience in the human experience is being cut off from God. Because we were made and designed to be in relationship with God. The worst thing that can possibly happen to us is one day when we get to the end of this life, which we will, death is undefeated other than one. If we're not found in Christ, we will be cut off. We will be separated, and David's greatest fear will be our reality. And so what I want to lead us toward this morning, church, is to say, if the greatest fear, if all other fears pale in comparison to the fear of being cut off from God, how do we eliminate that fear? (laughs) Because if we can eliminate that fear, the fear of being cut off from God, all of a sudden, everything else in life seems a little bit less significant, no matter how serious it might be. The way, church, in which we can never have to fear being cut off from God is through faith in Christ. It's amazing. This is what the scriptures say. Romans 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Through faith in Jesus, we never have to fear being rejected by God. Ever. In an instant, you're connected to the God of the universe through faith. How? Because Jesus took the penalty and the punishment for our sin. Jesus took the death that we deserved and gave us the life that we didn't deserve through faith. And so whatever you're walking through right now, and maybe it's really, really hard, and I know there are some of us who are just in a tornado of hurt right now, I just want to encourage you. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ can take away a multitude of fears because the greatest fear of the human experience is officially done. It's officially gone. It's officially no longer a concern for you because, what did we read before? When we are Jesus's, nothing and no one can rip us out of his hand. We are his. We belong to him. I want that for us, church. I want us to be a people, again, who live lives of faith, not of fear. And I believe we have so much, again, to learn from what David says here in Psalm 27. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful again for your word. God, I know there are so many different situations and circumstances going on in the room this morning. I know we can't possibly speak to them all, but... Lord, you know them. You know what each individual is going through. You know the difficulties 
you know, the fears. Father, I ask this morning that you would give us a bigger view of yourself. We, we would be a people who are okay with submitting control of our lives to you, surrendering control of our lives to you, to say, I can't do it. Please help me sit in the passenger seat so that you can drive, so that you can lead. Help us be comforted by the fact that through faith in Christ, the greatest fear of the human experience being cut off from God is no more. And if there's anyone in the room this morning who, who needs to receive that and know that and feel that for the first time, I want to speak directly to you. God desires you, and he proved his desire for you by sending his son to die on a cross for you. There's no greater love than what Jesus has done on the cross for us. So if you need that this morning, I just want to point you to Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And there is no greater blessing than that. Father, we need you. We love you. Again, by the power of your spirit, make us a people of faith and not fear. It's in Christ's name we come to you. Amen.